welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing one of the subjects we've been threatening to cover since basically this show began, (laughs) it's SoundCloud rap. Yes. It's a vague and increasingly nonsensical name for a genre that either doesn't exist, is already over, or is the future of all popular recorded music, depending on who you ask. A loose collection of screaming, depressed, face-tattooed teenagers and their older white managers who have all gone from basically unknown to dominating streaming music and charts in just over a few years. And today we'll be talking all about it using Carrie Bratton's January GQ article, How SoundCloud Rap Took Over Everything. But first, let's introduce our own guest, my own personal Virgil, leading me down into the wonderful hell of SoundCloud Rap. (laughs) It's returning guest, Felix Biederman. How are you, Felix? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, but I will not leave a punch in the toilet. Oh, different Virgil. Oh, different Virgil. Different Virgil. Just kidding, everybody. Yes. A uh, little Easter egg for our crossover fans who I assume are like 99% of the audience. Yeah. I just realized my entire life is just catering to the same crossover fans. Yeah, it's just uh, the same 100,000 people following you from pod to pod. But hopefully we'll retain uh, a high percent of those 100,000. <laughs> yeah, no. Some people have no no type of crossover. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, so SoundCloud, this is something that I basically heard existed or defined as a genre of music from you and about November, you Felix, in about November uh, twenty seventeen when I started doing the show. Uh, and it, it it's like one of those things where you hear the word, it's like a key that unlocks a lock, and suddenly a lot of things make sense because you it, it gives a name to a bunch of like trends that have been rising up. And and since then. I can't say that I'm the hugest fan, but I've definitely been fascinated with it as a uh, as an emerging genre. Um, Felix, when did you first learn like the word SoundCloud rap and like who these people were? I think it must have been about like 2016. I had like a period. Uh, yeah, I've always loved rap. I, I know this is going to be a shock to your listeners. <laughs> upper middle class, you know, like a Jewish son of a lawyer from a large metropolitan area loves rap but it's true i know a lot about it it's uh, maybe my favorite genre of music but uh i yeah no i'd always been interested in it and the culture of rap and i guess i loved you know when i was like a kid when i was like 16 i loved what would have been like the equivalent to sound soundcloud rap at the time you know like i loved not equivalent like uh artistically but just like in the cultural space it filled at the time Mm mm-hmm so I love like, you know, Jim Jones, Cameron, obviously. Uh, I followed every like uh, a name that's going to come up a lot in this, I think, because he's so important to the genre. Soldier Boy. I was like, going to say Soldier Boy. Yeah. Soldier Boy is one of the most important figures I- I- in this whole deal. Uh, and I just, you know, incessantly followed it and loved it and was obsessed with it. And then I had like a period when I was like sort of early mid 20s where it's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. What is this stupid crap now? Almost like, a, <laughs> oh, that's not real hip hop guy. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't listening to like fucking mystical. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I had a formative moment in someone else's life recently, not recently, but in the past uh, 18 months, it was during a West coast tour. Actually, I met, um, I won't say this guy's name because it's, I don't know if he wants to be uh, mentioned in this context, but uh, we don't have to dox anyone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but someone I consider one of the funniest people I've ever m- known, like in an online context, has invented like a lot of the things that you, the listeners, would recognize as like 
classic hilarious bits. <laughs> Got it. Um, just totally fucking hilarious, organically funny person. And he said meeting me was a forward experience because I don't even remember saying this, but I, I, I basically told him like, you have to be as stupid as you want to be all the time or else life has no point. Mm. Yes. And it's a very, very big moment for him. And <laughs> he said it, it, it changed his life completely. And I think I had one of those, like where, when I allowed myself to sort of get into the culture and news and actual music of what people, I think it's a derisive term, SoundCloud rap, but it's also, so it's now just the accepted term now. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk we talk about that straight off the bat. It it really defined like the first three artists who emerged out of it just because they became popular on SoundCloud as a medium. But then pretty much as of now, it's like, as this article says, these artists don't even have time to develop a following on SoundCloud before they're picked up and put into the major league. Some yeah. of these guys only have like 10,000 YouTube followers or 10,000 SoundCloud followers, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the size of a not so popular podcast. I mean, we, yeah, uh, like, exactly. I mean, we have like 3000 po- followers on this show now. It's like, Oh, if we got three times as many listeners, we could get um, the equivalent of a major label debut on a po- on podcasting. <laughs> and like a weird Svengali manager. Yeah. Who's like who's, trying to figure out how we should best launch our TikTok strategy. Yeah, and stuff. And uh, <laughs> selling our podcast compilations after we both get hit by a car and die or something. Collaborate with like dog influencers <laughs> and figure out the best way to do that. Yeah, no, we're almost there. Uh, but the thing about being as dumb as you want to be, I think it impl- does resonate with a lot of this and also resonates with something we were talking about very recently on our very last episode on American Idiot. Oh yes. The, yes, the, the Green Day. The Green Day album. I, I was just musing that I don't think that I could ever be a true musical artist because I have that limiter in my head that doesn't allow me to be as dumb as I actually want to turn that shit off. Well, music is, don't you think music is like implicitly like a little bit embarrassing? Oh yeah. You have to, you have to have zero shame and zero self. Like you can be an introspective person, but you can't have any kind of like introspective or judgment about your self or character or intelligence limit anything that comes out of your mouth. Absolutely not. No, it's like acting. I think acting is probably the most, embarrassing activity yeah uh outside of maybe stand-up comedy and that's just really yeah well you, stand-up comedy is something you quit very early on <laughs> even you know like it's not something you have to stick with actors seem to try it for their entire lives if they don't hit yeah yeah well before we move into this article proper uh let's do finish going around the horn uh molly what was what's your experience with soundcloud rap i don't know it's one of those things where you know like post Malone I feel like I was in a car accident and I I woke up from a coma and like it was just there like I do not remember <laughs> yeah. the first instance or second instance of it being a thing um but yeah. then it's almost like a twilight like to expand on that like a twilight zone ep- episode where you wake up and everything is the same but one key thing is different and it leads you into this weird uncanny culture where you, you're like am I crazy or is everybody else gone insane yeah and it's just you know it's it's people it's SoundCloud rappers as as it were like they're just featured on everything right now like they're everywhere like they're on every type of music yeah. it's not just like ah oh, this is a thing that's happening with hip hop yeah, yeah. It, it you know I listen to like you know some real uh real Australian EDM shit mm-hmm. and like trippy reds on it and like goes on tour with these DJs. Like it's just, it, it really infused, it really osmosed. So I don't like, really, you, I, there's not one moment I can pinpoint. Like you could imagine a little pump featuring on the next Adele album for some reason. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 
They need to stock his album in in a Starbucks. Yeah, it's already in the you know the the little pump vinyls at Urban Outfitters as I found recently oh, yeah. when I was buying body glitter. So <laughs> um, yeah, Starbucks is definitely would be next. I think so. Let's uh, move into this article proper. It's it's kind of a a generic in form like profile of a scene, but I think one of the things that you get from it is just I mean that it explicitly says is how chaotic a scene it is and how it's not really a scene as much as, as just a way to like kind of categorize individual artists mm-hmm. who have very little relationship with each other until they learn enough about each other to hate each other and form rivalries. Yeah. Um, so this article starts out at a juice world concert where juice is, uh, hours, three late hours late to go on stage. It ca- categorizes the house DJ there as the hardest working man in show business right now, trying to keep all the kids entertained saying, so many jewels have died that the fans have resorted to lighting up real cigarettes inside the venue. Hard <laughs> uh, and concludes, Juice World is proof that sa- the SoundCloud rap movement, a wave of chaotic DIY internet stars who've overtaken the mainstream in unprecedented fas- fashion over the past two years, is mutating faster than anyone can really process. And that's the first thing I wanted to pick out is that mm-hmm. the the mutation element of this and how as soon as you define it, it seems to slip into something else, even as it is subsuming cancer like the entirety of, of music. I think that there is a reason that SoundCloud rap is so big and why it's ever changing and why it's in every avenue of music. Uh, I promised a Nausgaard quote. I think yes, I've used it before, but uh, here it comes. I, I, I use this quote a lot because I think it... It, it's sort of the key to understanding everything in our culture right now. All right. Yeah. Both good and bad. And it's about how we have, we have no sense of the unknown anymore. Mm. In general, everything is known. I just stroked my beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, and there's no, there's no unknown in our future. Mm. Right. Because it's the same as our past. Right. Yeah. The quote begins, the feeling that the future does not exist, that it is only more of the same means all utopias are meaningless. Literature has always been relegated to utopia. So when utopia loses meaning, so does literature. Yeah. I mean, I know we've, <laughs> we've talked about that in in terms of like dealing with, with you know, keeping Chapo relevant to what's going on as, as things seem to enter increasingly short cycles of eternal recurrence. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the chaoticness of this seems to be like genuinely an artistic reaction to right. the first uh, decade and a half of popular music seeming to be more and more of the same and more and more like set formats. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, I will say that. I will say that, yeah, the chaos is the art. Yes. And yes. that just, it is musically chaotic. Like if you listen to like a smoke perp song or like ski mask or a lot of people who are typified, like this were like a year or two ago would be held up as like the exemplars of like the SoundCloud genre, but are now clearly like hitting into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ski Mask has like a song called Nuketown with like COD sounds Juice Roll, like my my experience with Juice Roll, the first time I heard about Juice Roll was like him beefing with 6ix9ine. He's like from Chicago and he's like billed as a SoundCloud rapper. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this guy's about. Is it it's gonna be some hard shit? The first song I hear is called All Girls Are the Same. Yes. <laughs> like all the songs are like just sort of like very like emo. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. And I think that it's so so huge and so huge with like 
Zoomers who are explicitly feel every single day that they have no con- there is no future. Yeah, yes. less so even than millennials, because it's the one genre of music that is totally unpredictable, both the artists and the art itself. And you know what's great about SoundCloud rap is you don't know anything about the guys doing it. You find it out as they get bigger, but you don't. All you know is what they tell you, and mm-hmm. it seems more and more people just don't tell you anything. Yeah, yeah. Because I think there's a subconscious thing where there's like this culture is so itching for any form of mystery. Everyone is so declarative. Everything is already so figured out. Everything is completely, uh, completely a formula. And the silent culture war seems to be between people who are arguing that it's all spontaneous. It's, Mm -hmm. It's all totally creative. How dare you bring up. You know, that Ryan Tedder wrote Beyonce's Halo. <laughs> how dare you, how dare you, you know, say that, you know, fucking six hairless Swedish guys, uh, you know, wrote the fucking, wrote the Charlie Puth or Ariana Grande. Yeah. Or like <laughs> basically every other side. Right, right. It's a factory and it's yeah. al- algorithm like everything else is. Yeah. And if you enjoy that, that's fine. I have nothing against you. I don't think it's any dumber than the stuff that I often like. Mm-hmm. But on one side of the culture war, uh, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with uh, how it's uh, an act of political defiance to see a Marvel movie now. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but on one side of culture war, the silent culture war, the unstated one, it is people who gleefully consume these algorithmically produced pieces of media and claim that it is all spontaneous and there's still mystery and that these things are part of the mystery and every that's why okay that's why now you see so many accounts that are like you know out of context the good place or like oh yeah okay, yeah 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 uh, like out of context post, phantom thread yeah, <laughs> yeah, a hot post, one. Like, post like a totally anodyne uh one to punch of dialogue from a movie and go when this happened I fucking snatched my wig I fucking spilled my tea holy fucking shit and it's like not bad it's just fine it's fine it's like Mm -hmm. in any other area but there has to be this performance of overreaction and holy shit this is so fucking crazy out of context can you believe it yeah because no no, there's no mystery there's nothing there's fucking nothing there's no future there's nothing in this uh SoundCloud rap, meanwhile, if I had to give the broad strokes of what it is right now to somebody who didn't know, mm-hmm. it would be like, there's, of course, the excellent Adam Friedland joke about it, that uh, it seems like rap nowadays is all 19-year-old bisexual white kids who say the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> so good. But uh, yeah, it'll be like, or, or like, it'll be like a guy with a face tattoo that says, I'm depressed, who ends up killing three of his friends. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it's holy shit, there's something there. And of course, of course, it's monetized into high hell and it's already being taken over by the larger industry. And mm. the same drabness that uh, is cast over everything will fall on that. Yeah. But for the time being, there is some of that excitement we used to have in it. Yeah. I think that's why every. Like you said, the Australian EDM artist who uses Trippy Red, uh, w- w- why these guys are everywhere. It's like my other literary influence, Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember the Red Comet in Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. That's like first season shit. That, mean, that means that magic is coming back to the world. Oh, yes. Ah, good. Was our, was our Red Comet Takashi 6 9 <laughs> And everyone... 
because it's it's sort of like yeah this red insane fucking comet comes down he's just the worst guy <laughs> he's, he's stupid well they're they're all like they're all like got him. They're all like manifestations of chaos gods. Yeah, yeah. And his mu- his music's even kind of bad, but it's just like he's, for a while you just can't lose, and, and it's like, oh my god, this is how it kind of used to be. Mm. And, and, and there's this everyone's trying to grasp at this magic, blood magic or otherwise, all around the culture. That's what it feels like to me a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think we'll we'll end up talking more about the kind of g- grabbing the tiger by the tail uh, aspect of incorporating this into the overculture. Mm-hmm. Because the very next line that I was going to quote from this piece is that uh, music is a feast or famine, and currently it is on the delirious first course of a long-awaited feast. Uh, so she goes into some her general description of the artist. Um, you know, notes that they have like they're as likely to have alt rock and metal uh, influences as much as like traditional hip hop influences, which and emo and emo alt rock emo, uh, which I think you know goes to say a lot of the 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 cultural bleed of the the like post nine eleven world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I like this this kind of jokingly derisive description. Unlike with conventional street oriented rap, many of them refer, prefer to take drugs than to sell them. They tend to wallow ostentatiously in their success instead of glorifying it. Lots of them are obsessed with using FaceTime. Many will insist they cannot be boxed in, but many also have some unmistakable commonalities. They like face tattoos and short-dyed dreadlocks and braids. The FaceTime thing really threw me because sometimes I wonder if that's what really separates me from the, the earlier or the younger folks is that like I can't stand FaceTime and yeah. I hate it. Oh, my it. God. Yeah. I, I, when, when I get a... That's the... That is like the sound of a missile being locked on to me when I get a FaceTime call. Like there's there's literally anything that I'd rather do than FaceTime people. And yet it does seem to be like the 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 weird communication preference yeah. of these folks. Like several people in this article referred to spending a lot of time on FaceTime with um XXXTentacion. Yeah, I had just yeah, like, is yeah. this what this guy was like up to all day? Yeah, it feels yeah, like no, he was he was. He was like he was I think he had like kind of a cult leader ish personality. We mm-hmm. talked about it a little bit in the Chapo episode about him with uh, Tarpley Pitt, who I think wrote the definitive, probably the best article. That article, so I'll throw that in show notes yeah. too. But uh, it was all he did was just like FaceTime with random people and be like, when you're depressed, you have to manifest the demons in your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's fucking garbage. And but people that caused people to go like, he was such a great man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> he was, I mean, wow. we can kind of jump, jump around here uh, because it, she touches on XXX Tentacion later, um, you know, and, and we have a whole chapter up. You can listen on that. I mean, kind of the underscore of this guy is that he's like a brutally violent, but absolutely beloved rocket ship of success who got killed at age 20 last the beginning of last summer mm-hmm. uh, before he was posed to become possibly the biggest recording artists in the world and has I, since I, I become would have been up there. the yeah. biggest like in some ways but uh yeah. i mean the whole thing about about him is is this kind of relationship between the fact that he is a convicted assaulter of pregnant women a mm. a absolutely brutal uh, absolutely violent person who his fans 
uh, in a, a joke that I were that you told to me, uh, Felix, uh, that I will now tell back to you. Uh, you joked that the name of his uh, eventual biopic would be something like "Yo, but he cur- cured my depression, though." The XXX Tentacion story. <laughs> that's what you. That's what they would call it. Yeah, yeah. it would be because like all he, he the X is another guy because his first song was like. Bitch, who's your man? I can't keep my dick in my pants. Can't keep my dick in my pants. My bitch don't love me no more. She kicked me out of life, bro. And then all the songs that are after that are like acoustic guitar that sounds like it's recorded in a fucking bathroom and him going, I hate that love makes me feel pain. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird, but, you know. Make a hill where we never let the talking now I'm hooked in. I, and I think that like he was I mean the joke the running cultural joke for early 2019 seems to be like being cancelled right yeah, yes yeah. everyone I feel like is obsessed with this fucking uh, young adult community stuff yeah yeah mm-hmm. because it's, it's spellbinding a little bit right it's these are such lame formulaic works of art that inspire such animosity and hatred and just insanity among people. Right. Mm-hmm. It's fucking in complete shit throwing insanity. And then uh you look at you look at X or you look at Six Nine or you look at a number of uh guys in this uh this field of music. Just uncancelable. Yes. Uncancelable. You just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I think... And, and, and it's like, I think it's it's one of those imbalances where it's like, people. you see people get cancelled for like, what did, What was the last young adult thing the guy even got cancelled for? I think he, one he, of the people... He wrote about like a war. <laughs> he wrote about like, one of the characters was Muslim or something. Yeah. But, uh, he, he, uh, he, no one should get cancelled for that, but then it's like, you look, okay, we're going to have the concept of cancelling. Maybe who... X should have got canceled. Yeah. I mean, I guess he did it in a different way, but you get what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's the imbalance. It's the imbalance where every action reaction is bad, and there's no good action that that is typical of a culture war. I think one of the funniest things about cancellation, and one of the reasons that it's become such a joke, and how like Molly and I have been wandering around the house, like when a a, uh, like a plastic bottle is empty being like this bottle is canceled yeah. <laughs> is, is that it's such an insane binary of either on or off for something yes. that is ultimately a, a gradation of judgment sure yes you know yes. And, but, uh, if you're talking about someone being canceled they are not canceled and yes. if you continue to talk about them trying to have them be canceled they will never be canceled yes the people that you do not talk about anymore have been canceled yeah, you know who's yeah. a good example of this is Donald Trump. He's on yes. he's on cancelable because no matter what you try to cancel him for, he does something more outrageous and stays in the cycle. Sure, yeah. The the <laughs> the example I always bring up, even though it's kind of a weird one, is the the actor Isaiah Washington, who you might remember from early seasons of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> he said he said the the f word that the the bad f word in an interview and said some anti gay shit, mm-hmm. and he got ethered. Yes, he has not had a career since. He was canceled. Yes. He is not work. No one talks about him. Yes. That's what cancellation looks like. Yes. Anytime you talk about someone being canceled and you're it's a discussion, it doesn't it's not going to happen. Nobody has heard 
it, other than you just now saying it, the name Isaiah Washington, and like it's, it's like and good I thing- haven't heard that name. And <laughs> no, I literally years. had not thought about him. Yeah, year year, and you know how much uh, my inability to pay attention to anything. How often I'm just sitting down thinking of literally anything else. <laughs> it would seem like I would be thinking about Isaiah Washington. He hasn't come up in my brain in years. Yeah, that's a quite an effective. Chris sees the vacant look on my face, you know, two hours a week. <laughs> Not once has Isaiah Washington crossed those eyes. <laughs> well, maybe maybe this will bring him back, but I don't think this podcast is that that popular. Yeah, so these guys are like rolling forward like these these chaotic balls of cancelable uh, energy. Uh, energy and crimes. And often. sometimes <laughs> crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a little f- further on, she mentions... Um, she starts talking about the the kind of fixers who move into this scene. Uh, she talks about Bob Kalstein, an entertainment lawyer for who uh, was the lawyer for XXX and Takashi, which, uh, I mean, that guy's probably a sleazeball, but he also probably deserves a fucking medal for repping both XXX Tentacion and uh, Takashi. He doesn't oh, need that, a medal. That's, that that's, that's what the money's a, for. Yeah, that's that guy true. Is probably a fucking incredible lawyer. Or yeah. he's friends with a lot of guys. I mean, yeah, yeah. difference, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he, need, he needs a, a medal for, like, good dirtbag lawyering. Uh, but he's talking about, uh, I just like this quote. He talked about he first hearing of XXX Tentacion, and he goes on the... Uh, I go on SoundCloud and I hear this record and I'm like, and this is in italics. This record's not mixed. It's not mixed. What is this? <laughs> I just love that exclamation of talking about it. Uh, and then just talking about the chaos. She talks about the lights global. That's THA lights, the, the lights. lights global. They're little pumps managers and talking about how they have to cover, like constantly be watching him, uh, babysitting him. Here are some Cause of the- he's 18 years old and an idiot. Here's a litany of recent little pump, little pump headlines. Quote, Lil Pump just got arrested live on Instagram after swearing at police. Quote, Lil Pump is now is out here pissing on British banknotes. That sounds good. Quote, actually. Lil Pump sends marijuana balloon in disguise so God can smoke. <laughs> no, that's, that's just nice. Right. That's incredibly charming. Yeah, I love that's that. Right. Yeah. That is so charming. <laughs> uh, the last one. Yeah, the last one is great. I, I also just love that litany because another running theme of all these guys is doing crimes while Instagram living it. But they yeah. love they love uh, Instagram live and they love FaceTime. Yeah, yeah, and that doable to me. Yeah, and it, it that it's such a porous con- continuity of existence of videoing everything you do that there is literally no There's filter no to be yeah. like. Well, now I'm about to do something that's a crime, so maybe I yeah. should stop doing this. Yeah, no. Well, oh, it, it, it it is almost like they're the final form of this cultural moment because it's like. Well, we live in this weird era where you are constantly surveilled and it affects the rest of your life, all your employment, uh, all your relationships, mm-hmm. everything. And then you have these guys yeah, who are, who are just like, like, because no one, no one apparently has the impulse, like not to post, but the, they will <laughs> self-censor. It's uh, yeah. who, who, whose prison was that? Uh, we were talking about it on, on uh, in DC, the prison we all live in. It was like Deleuze or one of those guys. I, I don't I don't know the exact guy. Yeah, <laughs> one of those types of guys. Uh, and to them, they uh, have the same conditions as anyone else, and their calculus is not like, oh, I have to like uh, be less like that. You know, I have to be less how I am. It's just like, oh, I'll just like uh, be famous in a way where it doesn't matter. 
yeah. what yeah. I say or do. Like it, it sort of lends itself to my success. And not only that, I'm always going to be broadcasting. I'm always going to be on. I'm always going to be in some aspect of performance. And the fact that it is an aspect of performance will make it harder to get me in trouble. Right. Yes. Uh, you know who reading this article again made me think of, and I just showed Molly some of his videos, is Boonk Gang. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just the same kind of impulse in a, in a different direction of just constantly filming. And though, you know, we talked about him on the Larry Charles episode of Chapo. Uh, and, and what Larry Charles said about him is that he has no, like, real conscious thought of, like, what he does is, like, now I'm going to enter a performance. It's just, like, him doing his life and capturing aspects of them that when seen as a video can be viewed as like a discreet performance. Well, that, 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 that is it. I mean, I don't know that I could ever say that the era we live in, it was consciously created to be this, maybe a little bit, maybe some were intentional, maybe some were not. Uh, I, I never believe for a second that like, even the most powerful people are totally have totally deliberately gamed out everything they do. They're just not, I feel like people mm-hmm. who have like comprehensive conspiracy theories, you, you just haven't met enough people. You don't know quite how fallible they are. Right. Mm-hmm, sure. uh, even the smartest people are stupid in ways that you, you, you cannot comprehend because they're in the end, mostly just like you or me. But uh, if I were, you know, let's pretend that there was like some comprehensive plan to like tamper everyone down to put the weight of the world on them and all their private moments, because there are no private moments. Mm-hmm. So instead of making people behave orderly, like all of them, you create not just these guys, but like the Zoomers. We're like, well, fuck, people can see this anyway. This is just how I am. Yeah. Yeah. This is my life. Yeah. I think like Molly and I have mentioned, have like joked before about how in the future it'll just be like a weird, like cotillion like rite of passage that when you turn 18, you like ceremonially you leak, leak your a nude, nudes. Yeah. Leak a nude just so it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, now it's out there. Nobody has anything over me. Yeah. It's a, it's your debut. Yeah. You'll send, you'll send your nudes to the world. It's also, it's fun. My full-time job is at a health and wellness website and there's a very quaint attention right now paid towards screen time as it relates to like your well-being and i love that these people do not give a shit it is not even register the idea that the amount of time you spend looking at your screens could negatively affect your health that's just that's just time yeah there are no screens yeah when there's a screen all the time is there a screen exactly um cool so she goes on to talk about uh she kind of moves into the business aspect and notes that uh I mean, the sea change here is kind of like record sales versus streams, which is something that basically happened over the last five or six years. Noting, I was incredulous when I re- um, read this fact, but I mean, I'm sure it was it is accurate as it was reported uh, that immediately post recession, hip hop only accounted for 10 percent of all record sales, which seems much lower than I would have assumed. But I, I assume that's correct. And now that we've transferred into streaming, it's it's just the ability of, of someone like, you know, Lil Pump to get like te- a billion streams of something just like totally upends that narrative. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, the wellspring of easily searchable metrics generated by the streaming machine and Ring has become more like forecast casting or day trading. Mm-hmm. Quote from Todd Moskowitz, who is the former CEO of Warner Brothers and now heads up uh, Alamo Records, which signs a number of these things. Everybody thinks it's Moneyball. Uh, he says, and he likes to, he likes to say that he runs his new record label Alamo Records like a startup, which is always 
a big red flag, but I'm sure that's more about his like worker violations than anything about, uh, you know, yeah. uh, 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 this genre. So, I mean, one of the big questions I have in talking points is, is to what extent this is like a, this is obviously like a, a bit of a cultural revolution, but what extent it's like a technological revolution too. I mean, isn't it sort of the end result of what like Steve jobs promised when he created garage band is that everyone was going to be able to make music. Yeah, I guess. Isn't this the end result of like everyone is able to make music and you don't have to be in a band. Mm -hmm. You don't have to coordinate other band members. Cause God knows it seems like a fucking headache. According to all the memoirs that I read you, you're it's like, it's kind of the equivalent of like bedroom albums from yeah. the nineties. These are like Elliot Smith motherfuckers. You don't even have to like produce like, Produce, even burn CDs to yeah. produce that. You don't kind have of to mix. You don't have to mix your albums. It's the. It's. I think if that's the SoundCloud yeah. of SoundCloud rap, there's just no. There's no necessary quality control doesn't exist and it doesn't matter. Like direct access between producer and consumer. Yeah. Or not producer in the traditional sense of music, but musician and consumer. It's all the same. Um. And is that good? Well, I don't I, know. I mean, it's definitely allowing. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't know because. You know what? Maybe that's another thing. I don't know if anything is good or bad anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I feel like to fully know if something's good or bad, you have to see the full scale of its effects. And because everything is temporary, th th no era of anything lasts more than like, what, like four years? We'll never know. Yeah. Yes. It's recognizable also as like what we're all doing. And it's the, you know, the same method of producer to, or producer to consumer relationship that allows like, Chapo to exist and the thing what we're doing right now I mean it's po podcasting is the same kind of thing where before like the best that we could do to broadcast this kind of thing was like get a CB radio license but then what cut fucking nerd listens to CB radio other than like long distance truckers and uh, numbers station addicts uh, I think about like I I have to have gotten in the time since Chapo started like hundreds hundreds of messages about uh like, will you come on my podcast? Will you listen to my podcast? Like, will you discover me? <laughs> yeah. And I don't, like, really get mad at those. I think it's it's sort of interesting how it's, like, that's literally, you know, what goes on in music. You know, will you discover me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, except, you know, I mean, podcasting is great and all. And I love this medium. And, uh, you know, it's it's gotten its own boom times in a way. But, you know, it's still, like, a sliver of a sliver of a sliver of the, you know, market of music. Yeah, that's why I yell at people who say that I'm a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> I like, if somebody got the amount of plays we get as a podcast on SoundCloud with their music, people would tell them to give up. <laughs> you know, the amount of time we've been doing it versus them. But, uh, just, you know, go figure. There's no Patreon for music. I mean, there should be. Yeah. Actually, no, that's not it. Spencer Krug from uh, Moonface and Wolf Parade yeah. Patreon. Uh, recommended people before but, yeah. before chapo rocketed one of the largest patreons was and one of the earliest adopters in and and ev evangelist was w what's her name married to neil gaiman from oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh amanda uh, palmer amanda yeah. palmer yeah she she was one of the first like direct to consumer uh musicians but it doesn't seem like a lot of of this like personal relationship has translated but, but that's the difference is that there's actual money in the music industry and and like I'm sure if XXX Tentacion had started a Patreon, which is hilarious to imagine, you know, he would have instantly he had made like a million fucking dollars a month. Oh yeah. He and like without exaggeration. Yeah. 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 He probably would have. And honestly, in the long run, that might have been a better deal than his estimated three million dollar record deal, which was considered exorbitant at the time. So here's what I want to bring up, because they the this article traffics a lot 
in the idea that there's a lot of money happening in this scene right now and people right. are being offered million dollar, two million dollar, three million dollar deals. They don't really get into what kind of deals right. these are. And my assumption, based once again on all these books that I've already read, is that these deals might not be that good. No. There, there's there's 360 pro- deals, correct? Like I would assume. Well, I, I will just say to add on that is that there are these like managers and stuff pushing them, but they um they also seem to have a lot of one album deals, which it seems to be, I, I would say goes into the, uh, the kind of money ball or day trading they're aspect not, that they're talking about. They're, they're perhaps like, being sold short. In yeah. Some they're ways. being like, we'll, we'll see how long we can ride this guy for, but we're not going to like put in the yeah. long term investment. They're not getting that like Celine Dion, you know, yeah, 10, 10 album deal. Another person who infamously signed to a 10 album deal, weird Al Yankovic who signed it in like 1981 or two. And then did he fulfill had to, it? Yeah. He, he just got out of it with his last album that came out like two or three years ago after some, some, I mean, honestly, Jesus, I love, I love weird Al, but some guy in 1980, 81 looking at weird Al and being like, Oh yeah, we got, there's 10 albums worth of that in this concept of, of putting food into various popular songs. I would read an interview with the guy who came up with the weird Al 10 album. Deal. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that was just a case of like, I like got record executives who do cocaine all the time and just have some coked up idea and one of them actually is brilliant. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. I just, I want an oral history of Weird Al's record deal. I would yeah. love that. I think, I think I remember reading something about him where towards the end of it, he was like pretty frustrated that he had to do albums because his parody song format didn't mean that he could just like go out and do a song about something that was popular then and keep it relevant. But oh, he had to keep it. Yeah, the, the process of recording, you, know, you have to pick like 10 songs off the top 40. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't just do like music that you personally like. No one's going to know what it is. Yeah. You have to come up with like 15 songs like that. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, you know, it's one thing to make them about being gay with your dad. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, Weird Al does it. Yeah. God bless Weird Al for becoming, I'm sure, a multi 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 millionaire off of that 10 album deal and, and sticking through with it until the mid 2010s. Yes. Weird Al rocks. Yeah. Weird Al does rock. So the next, I want to talk about Adam Grammison, Adam 22, who is the host of no jumper. Somebody that I think I, I gather, you know, a fair amount about Felix. I know a bit about him. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's how he comes off. Um, she describes him as a white 35-year-old former full-time BMX blogger. Which I misread as BMX biker at first when I read Not it. Not as cool. It's like, nope, he's a blogger. BMX yeah. blogger. Yep, yep. He runs a m- tiny merchant bike shop called On Some Shit, all caps, in Los Angeles. Um, here's how she describes his morning routine. He likes to wake up and, quote, just go crazy on social media before coming to the shop and spending the afternoon conducting interviews. Whom's among us does not like to wake up and just go crazy on social media. Same. Same. Uh, Goes on to say plans for this evening's live stream. Well, we have a girl who's supposed to show up. Who's famous on Instagram for having a really long tongue. (laughs) So that's the content people want. Yeah. So uh, Adam 22 has, has insinuated himself into the scene by having a canny ability to kind of pick people out who he, he suspects will get big and interview them right before they like really get big and, and kind of mm-hmm. uses his interview show to document uh, the entire movement. But of course, as being part of this movement, he also has uh, accusations of sexual assault on him that cost him an Adla- Atlantic record deal. Yes. Although uh, he says it like, you know, it wasn't really about that, but was kind of about that. So yeah. Do you, do you have any, any, uh, any inside details about this guy for somebody? Uh, he seems like somebody who's eh, in that. Not really. I know. I, I know the same stuff everyone else does. Uh, but 
I mean, just as a, he's interesting to me as a cult. He appeared to come out of nowhere as a cultural figure. Former BMX like, blogger. Like what? Yeah. And one day in 20, like 16, I saw a video of this uh, sort of like tallish, uh, tall guy with uh, long arms um, shoving a guy in a shop and slapping like a sort of loose guillotine choke on him. <laughs> And I, I was like, huh, that's interesting. You don't typically see a guillotine choke in a street fight. I mean, he didn't do it wonderfully, but hey, you're not always in optimal training conditions. But I thought that was interesting. That someone someone did. You know, you usually just see ineffectual hugging and bad punching. <laughs> uh, after yeah, I went I went through it was it was Adam twenty two getting into a fight with someone about, you know, some probably moronic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I don't. I don't typically really like artist interviews that much. Mm-hmm. Adam Twenty Two's interviews—they seem to sort of center on this, like you know, what's the craziest shit you ever fucked? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's boring. That's sort of boring to me. I think Howard Stern. Howard Stern was the master of that. Howard Stern's one of the greatest interviewers ever. He's one of the only guys I'll watch like interview musicians or actors or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, he has a way uh, of people getting people at ease to like to admit things that they wouldn't otherwise admit. And Adam, yeah, Adam Twenty Two seems to do that with uh, rappers a lot of the time. So like the Zoomers that I follow, like the nineteen twenty year olds, who you know I have a lot of opinions on the effects they'll have on the culture, but uh-huh. uh, they think Adam Twenty Two is fucking lame. Oh <laughs> yeah, they think he's like a weird old old asshole. Like they just constantly just. Uh, <laughs> Post pictures about him being a forty-year-old who works at Zoomies. <laughs> so yeah, I was wondering about him. That's how close the aesthetic is, though. Like, yeah. there's a fine line between yeah. between being like a thirty-five-year-old, like sort of kingmaker, radio-ish journalist, and being a forty-year-old, like you know, Pac Sun associate. Uh, there's no middle class in this industry. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well. So I was kind of wondering if he fits into that whole like the mom's basement world that I know that you love all those guys from. The, the... He's not not totally. I mean, Keemstar, Keemstar and Faze Banks are like they're strictly YouTube guys. Okay, pretty much. Pretty much. Like Faze Banks, I don't think is like he doesn't seem like a bad guy to me. He just seems like, well, what do you think like a COD trick shot or a Call of Duty trick shotter who became a millionaire would be like? <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, I I guess I associate all those guys because Lil Xan is on that that show. But I guess oh, that was just well, Keemstar and Faze Banks are on every episode. But that was a special episode with uh, with with Lil Xan, with Adam Twenty Two and Lil Xan. But Lil Xan is tighter with Adam Twenty Two. Yeah, and there is like a shock jock aspect to Adam Twenty Two for sure. Like a lot of videos you see him do are like, you know, who could shotgun the most beers, me or Lil Xan? But they speak the same language. Yeah. For sure. Except for Keemstar doesn't really speak that language. Keemstar is way more of an internet personality. Like if you watch that video, he sort of seems like the odd man out a little bit. Like Zan, Banks, and uh, Adam, or yeah, Adam all seem to be like on the same frequency. Yeah. Of like, yeah, fuck fake shit. Fucking shit, man. I went to a fucking condo. It was fucking shit, man. Everyone's a fucking... And all the no, fucking, fucking clout sharks, all yeah, that shit. Yeah. I mean, Keem, Keemstar is, you know, he's thinking about, like, the why did Jake Paul disable comments? <laughs> <laughs> so he, but he, he gets in there. He gets in there a little bit. But um, it's a, I'd say they're parallel worlds. Yeah. 
I feel like uh, Adam 22's audience might be a tad older than uh, Game Stars. Well, and it's also it makes clear in this uh, article that his main importance seems to be as like a kind of media figure bank shot of like moving these figures up from like the relative yes, obscurity yes. of the underground to the o- overground. Like he's like the guy that A&R people watch his show to like see who's new on and see if they're worth, yeah. worth signing. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to say about him is uh, it, it says that on his live streams, fledgling young rappers will send him between 75 and $200 donations to play their songs. And as a show that routinely uh, covers the history of recorded music and music scandals, all I can say is uh, payola much. Oh man! Yeah, well, it is amazing what you can get away with when you're not on the radio. Exactly, like, it's <laughs> absolutely true. I love a free hey, market. Brilliant, that brilliant idea. There are some desperate people out there. Yeah, I would love to know how much he's made off that. He said that he has made a, a single stream of twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, no. Which he re- didn't. That, he react that, to that by being like, "Oh wow, uh, yeah, this is crazy." <laughs> yes, exactly. That's his. Well, that, that, that's what it's like. Shroud, Shroud, who's one of the biggest like game streamers in the world, like one of the best, like recreational gamers in the world he doesn't really compete that much anymore mm-hmm. uh he's like he's a hangout like, streamer well he, he well he's amazing at games and that's like the but he has like a cool interesting weird personality like he's very muted mm-hmm. he's not like you've seen clips of ninja right yeah i mean ninja's uh, ninja is like extremely like excited yeah. oh my god oh my yeah. god nah, nah, bam, bam, i'm the apex get the apex for me i'm me i'm me i'm me i'm me yeah. like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shroud, uh, Shroud is just like he he can just click on anyone's head and kill them. <laughs> game, just at will, and he's very he's. I, I love Doctor Manhattan, like Blood Raven type characters in my fiction, and I feel like Shroud is one of those guys. But he he at one time he got like twenty five thousand dollars from a guy with like a very Gulf State Gulf State sounding name, and he was like, oh. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just fucking just barely looking up, just clicking on heads. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. Like people will give him that even Tifu. Tifu's like a very like more relaxed guy than Ninja. But if someone gives Tifu a hundred dollars, he'd be like, Holy fucking shit, bro. <laughs> no. You know, but as a, yeah, as I, an aside, Felix, I, I would love to do a whole bonus episode for Chapo where I just interview you and, and hear all about all the various characters of the online streaming world and your opinion on them. I oh, one of one of the top esports reporters uh wants to come on. He he usually I hate it when people do this. They're like, you should have this guy like while talking to the guy, like invite him on where I can't turn them down. But yeah. I, actually, I like this guy and I want to have him on. So I feel like we should do, do something. I, w- like I would absolutely produce that episode as a bonus. And, and like yeah. a lot of people would think it was dumb as hell, but I f- think that that shit's interesting. That's my dude. That's my, uh, that's my, uh, my sweet spot. Or yeah, the yeah. one where half the comments are like, why are this? Why is this an episode? <laughs> the other half are like, I like this. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, I mean, Adam 22, he, that's the wrinkle to his thing, whole thing that people don't get is that he's also, he's a live streamer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that, which is always like when people think about streamers now, like people don't watch streams, they only think about like Ninja or maybe Tifu, like the guys who play games. Right. But sort of the biggest thing is guys who just sit around and talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, women especially, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I wonder why. So yeah, that that's like kind of Adam 22's deal. And I guess again, like the linchpin or the thing from him is the the intersection of like constantly streaming mm-hmm. and being some kind of semi-professional conduit between the chaotic underground and the ordered overground. Yeah. So then from there we move on to um 
she goes to Variety's Hip Makers Brunch, which seems to be the is like just a hilariously incongruous name for everything else that's going on in this this article, which is like trippy red strep throat from uh, screaming too much at the strip club at backstage at the Travis Scott concert, not refusing to even stand up because his voice hurts too much. Oh, poor guy. Uh, <laughs> Like that's the rest of the scene, and then we Hitmaker's go to Hitmaker's brunch. Sounds like a a meal that you get at that Jackrabbit Slims from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yes, I want the Hitmaker's brunch, please. Um, this is where she brings in Tentacion, who we gave the background of earlier. But I think, and I think Molly, you'll you were probably interested in this as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of the she's not explicit about criticizing it, but the very creepy overtones of postmortem exploitation. Yes, of Tentacion. Um, it's very subtle, but very effective. So she describes three characters representing him at the uh, Hitmaker's Brunch, which is supposed to be hosted by Adam Levine, but he's not there. So it's like it, it kind of gives this portrayal of kind of the upstairs, downstairs of pop culture right now. The Adam Levine, like glossy, like been in the business forever, mm-hmm. very clean, marketable pop star. But then like XXX is represented there by his people who are like uh, represent this curdling underbelly. Uh, and this is. The three people there are Solomon Sabande, his manager, John Cunningham, his producer. Those guys are like 29 and 24. And Cleopatra Bernard, his mother, she's like 38. Mm-hmm. Quote, but for Onfrey and his handlers, the train had left the station at record-breaking speed and nothing, not the brutal allegations, label hopping, or even death could stop it. Mm-hmm. And she describes this scene after the brunch where they're all in the car basically chatting about how great it is to, that his songs are still getting radio play, how what they can do to continue getting his songs radio play, and basically being like, how are we going to keep this train going? This X, X train going, even after he's dead. It's just like this gleeful discussion of his current and future popularity that's all sublimated with the fact that it's his like, business manager and mom mm-hmm. eulogizing him that I, that I found very creepy. There's another segment that I noted that was kind of weird, which is when the, the hit makers brunch ended, the three of them were um, huddled outside the valet station on sunset Boulevard, um, discussing the prospect of applying to memberships to Soho house. Bernard, uh, that's uh, ex's mom is doubtful about her chances. I'm not technically part of the entertainment industry. She says in her light Jamaican accent, well, technically you are part of the entertainment industry. Cunningham. That's the producer tells her offering up his suit jacket. When she laments how chilly the air is, Bernard is the executor of ex's estate and everyone around her is deferential. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just very, very creepy. And that's kind of the, the the most morbid example of something that's kind of hinted at throughout this is that for every 17-year-old kid with a billion SoundCloud streams and a racketeering charge against him, there's like four 35-year-old white guys who are like, this is the greatest moment in the mu- in the last decade of the music industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like any other, you know, obviously this particular musical moment is different in some ways for some reasons, but the like the grift remains the idea that if you are part of someone's team, your goal in life is to keep them as famous and thus as rich as possible. So you can continue making a percentage of whatever it is that they are making. And my, my thing is that because he has, he, a, he has died and B he's, he admitted in a you know a, a tape of he did a, he confessed all of these horrific acts. He will never be canceled. 
um, because he has already done everything he can possibly do, and now he's dead. So there's no, there's not going to be any more like, oh no, X did this or X did that. He's just going to have hit songs for as many songs as he has made. Yeah, that's and, it. And even, and even more like a sinister way, he has become like a Christ type figure for his, for his crimes. He has been killed for all of those, um, yeah. for all those Facetimes that he told people to be positive. During. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's all very, it's all very in typical like late aughts style. Uh, fuck it, mask off. Where it's like, <laughs> it's like, well, this this dead kid ha- has all these fans. So how much can we milk them for money? Yeah, ah, I mean, it's the logical conclusion of it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is especially chilling if you know about X's relationship with his mom. Yeah, that so his she, mom sort of abandoned him here, for long stretches. He was he would start trouble. She says, "quote He would start trouble as a kid to get his mo- the attention of his mother." Well, now she he has his mom's full attention, doesn't he? You know, what can you say? Life cycle of abuse and violence uh, mm-hmm. then inflicted on uh, others, probably a lot we didn't hear about, mm-hmm. rises just incomparable to really anyone else on his uh, 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 in his time, not just culturally and commercially, but becomes this major factor in the lives of, let's face it, incredibly desperate youth. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if that's speaking to you, you know, Wow. Uh, yeah. 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 Then just fucking dies and just gets fucking two tapped uh-huh. car dealership. Then his mom and the BMX guy. Yeah. Just fucking monetizing his dead body. And you love to see it. <laughs> it's the type of thing you love to see. Yeah. It's absolutely. It, it's just, um, you really just don't like to see it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's it, yeah. It's just like this macabre element and then when you see how dangerous all these other kids live and how fucking how many more times is going to happen and yeah how Takashi is going to theoretically get spirited into witness protection which is the most hilarious concept what is he gonna do <laughs> he, has, he has his name tattooed on his head it's the mo- it's you could not write a comedy script that that like again has so many things it would be too on the fucking nose i just keep imagining the fbi field agent who uh, in charge of of witness protection who gets the takashi file dumped on his desk and just picking up being like my god it will be my masterpiece (laughs) the only thing i could think of is like send him to be a rapper in like poland yeah (laughs) you're just gonna be kazakhstan yes i think that's exactly right there like that's it yeah, Sh- shave his head, do. add more tattoos, get some real nice cover up work done. Yeah. yeah, and he could be a star in. Yeah, it's gonna be the the hottest the hottest underground act in in uh, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Yeah, like, <laughs> in, like Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> I can see like the Georgians or like the Cossacks being like, "No, he's our you Treyway. We will our army will rise up against Treyway." <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, that's. It, it becomes okay, the you know, Mark Twain quote. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. <laughs> yes. Ashe will be his assassination by Treyway in Kazakhstan <laughs> will be seen as an act of aggression uh, because it will take place in Serbia. Yes. And that's the same thing. It's the killing of uh, Archduke Ferdinand. It's like, it's uh, hilarious, but it's like you, you fast forward 10 years and I, I honestly, oh, it, Trump's president. Yeah. You, you she could start World War Three. Yeah, you just like ca- like the headline Caspian 
uh, tensions in the Caspian Sea region flare up as the extradition of Takashi 69 becomes an international issue. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so just a few more things to cover in this. She, she touches on the face tattoos, which at this point I, I is like one of those things that is like a youth outrage thing where I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that, but whatever. It's fine. I've, Every, made, I've made my peace with yeah. face tattoos in our post Malone yeah. episode. Yeah. I actually think they're kind of cool. Yeah. I will. <laughs> good-looking ones out yeah. there yeah you gotta you gotta think about it but whatever it's fine it's just the future every every new generation will do something and we have no future it. yeah yeah so, and that no is utopias that man. is the uh ultimate it's like a, a very nihilistic style but that's a good style for the time right exactly she asked trippy red while he's uh laying moaning in the backstage of uh <laughs> that's the joke we make about Lil Zan, by the way but just anytime he's not rapping, he's just lying face down on a floor. <laughs> he's in like off mode. Yeah. Uh, uh, she says she asks like straining to make conversation or get anything out of him for this interview. She says, uh, Oh, those, those face tattoos, I guess you'll never have an office job. And he bolts. She says he, he bolts straight up, right. And says, I don't need to have an office job. I'll buy the damn office. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> just no sense of like irony or anything. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to see what uh, uh Trippy Industries LLC out of Scranton, Pennsylvania produces. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, who knows? You could probably invest in WeWork. Get in while the getting's good. There are going to be a lot of hilarious photos when we're like forty five of people in in the workplace like wearing collared shirts with a weird face tattoos, yeah. and I think that that will be the point where we get the uh. The like weird snicker at them. I don't think it's derisive, but just like eh, it's funny now. It's funny yeah. that you ended up having it's, to go to an office job. It's and- funny in the way that like Tasmanian devil tattoos on like an ankle or a bicep or funny f- like from the 90s. Sure. Yeah, exactly. It's just ratchet up level. I pr- I just come up with a theory right now that face tattoos are like more acceptable to the this type of person because uh, they've kind of come of age on Snapchat with all those lenses. Ooh, so you see all this shit on your face and you're like, I don't know. That seems like fine yeah that's that's my theory and then when you put the filter on it it covers up any tattoos you have so you don't even really need to have them yeah you're endlessly mutable in the world of the screen yeah man oh, we all live in the world of the screen yeah i want to talk touch on matt ox uh who started rapping in philly at age 12 uh and started getting um started getting like messages over uh over instagram and shit from um metro boomin and meek mill like messaging this 12 year old boy over Instagram and SoundCloud being like, yo, you fucking rock. You want to guess on one of my things? It's so funny to like, like Meek Mill, like DMing this 12 year old. Like, 12 year old white kid being, being like, yo, this shit fire. That's awesome though. If you don't think that rules. Yeah. And it's like to, and to be that 12 year old and not to be like, oh my God, holy shit. Just like, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Or to be like the mindset of somebody like Meek Mill being like, no, it's normal to message a 12 year old. Yeah. What are you talking about? This 12 year old's fire. Listen to this track. It's great. <laughs> what do you mean? 12 year old's sick. So he, he's like the Justin Bieber of SoundCloud. People were offering him um, money, like PayPaling him to just lay down uh, verses on their track. And then they kept messaging him, like, yo, Matt, why is this a lady's picture on your PayPal? And he's like, that's my mom. <laughs> uh, 
so apparently in his first video and single, he had like fidget spinners in his hand because that was popular at the time. And now he's very jaded because he thinks that makes him look dumb. Too many fidget spinners. Uh, now that he's the wise old age of 14. Yeah. Uh, and he's like uh, just a quote of him talking to his managers, them being like, no, no, no. We'll make sure that you're like well positioned to enter the music industry from a leveraged uh, angle in which your exposure will be maximized through all fl- fronts. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of shit. Again, to a 14 year old. Yeah, and and he's just like, uh, quote, I know how powerful my brain is, and nobody can't take that from me. I mean, Maddox rules. Yeah, where's the lie? But he just sounds fucking awesome. He rule. He fuck. I know how powerful my brain is. This kid fucking rocks, man. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna signal you the the image that they use for Maddox in this uh in this piece right now because he, he looks. It's so so funny and innocent for oh, no, I've seen pictures of him, but yeah. yeah, he rules. He's the fucking greatest. He kind of looks like Gerard Way's kid. <laughs> if yeah. he had a kid. And he didn't he also in the article he was like he really wants a face tattoo, but his mom won't let him get any until he's eighteen, which I think is a reasonable compromise. I think that's a great compromise. Yeah. If you can if you can, you know, uh enlist in the army and uh, sign away your student loan rights, you yeah. can get face tattoos. Come Absolutely. On. Uh, but you're going to get fucked longer by student loans than by face tattoos. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But just even also sinisterly in that she outlines that now that now, right now, like the, his mom's quit his job to like full-time assist with his manager. He's a manager, a label rep, mm-hmm. a lawyer. He has a full-time stylist whose mom says, Oh, he's more like a friend who helps him buy clothes, but is apparently on retainer. Just like, again, uh, a 14 year old, uh, who white kid from Philly who raps about, you know, I'm in the trench. My name Maddox, and there is a whole industry sp- spawning around him. And as we know here on In Introducing, talking about the hit- history of artists and business, yes, that is ominous. It's not gonna. I don't. It, at least the business side of things. We'll see with the creative side how that ends. But the business side is not gonna end well. It's it's gonna be a lot of exploitation. I think it sounds fine. You know, I literally don't see how you could think that. <laughs> I mean, it sounds great from the 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 business people's end of things. I'm sure they're getting incredible deals, the yeah. best deals. Um so I really don't see how any of this could go wrong. Yeah. Uh so I guess it's just a um a, like a wrap up. I have a few uh, uh talking points that I want I wanted to cover. I wanted to get your take on this. It's offhandedly mentioned in this article, uh that Lil Wayne could be seen as a god kind of godfather of this scene. And we did a whole ep on Lil Wayne in which one of our, our guests on that, you know, basically explicitly made the point uh, that mm-hmm. he is, is one of the founding energies, if not like stylistic precursors of this. I, I wonder if you, I just wondered if you had a take on that, Felix. I, I mean, Lil Wayne's out, output, his output certainly. And I think like his willingness to experiment, you would put him up there, but I would say, um, I don't know. I would say like maybe Lil B would be more. Influential. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, He's yeah. more internet. He's more I of feel a, like a poster yeah. rapper. Yeah, I mean Lil Wayne posted all his, you know, uh, all his mixtapes on the internet, obviously. That's true. But he he wasn't as much of an internet creation as Lil B. Lil B really, Lil Wayne showed you know how the music could be, and mm-hmm. you know to me I would say that uh, Lil B showed how it could be done just for a normal person because. Lil Wayne was an extraordinarily well-connected guy. Yes. He's obviously an incredible, uh, was an incredible talent and still has flashes of brilliance. Uh, 
but he was also very lucky with his connections. Another 14 year old. Or actually, no, he was yeah. like 11. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of the hilarious comparison of imagining him in the early 90s making his break by leaving raps on uh, Birdman's message machine. Voice, yeah, voicemail. Voicemail. Yeah. And versus, now he would be paying, you know, yeah. Adam to uh, like $75 to, to post it throw on his one of his stream. songs on his live stream. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And then I guess the, the, the way that I just wanted to end on is, is maybe just coming back to the point of why it's so uncanny for a lot of people. You're Matt Christmas of the world. And, and other maybe more normie people that, that some of the SoundCloud rap scenes so uncanny because I do, do think it is perhaps the most, the thing that has risen to highest level of cultural prominence of an inflection point between millennials and generation Z mm-hmm. and maybe the, you know, one of the most uncanny things that can happen to a person in their life is realizing that they're old. And I think that this is it's coming for all of us. Yeah. yeah. And I think that if it this, hasn't already, it's coming. Yeah. And I think that this is one of the reasons that it is, you know, the, the whole thing about it, the aesthetic style, the the form of the rap, the the way the the problem part in all this is that all these people seem so awful, genuinely awful as as people. Well, not all of them, I mean, but a lot of them do. I, yeah. Well, that's my response to that is like, first of all, not all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you what do you think that uh, Don Henley was like? Yeah, right. sure. any of those guys musician people abuse power to do wretched things musicians especially i don't think these guys are any different i don't think it's always racialized i think it just this is reported on more yes uh i mean i, I mean i don't think people's reactions is racialized i think they just see the reporting and they're like oh um these guys all seem pretty bad but yeah i, I don't think that's always fair i think that there's no one who's it's as a scene Probably no better or, or worse, worse than yeah. any other male-dominated music scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you could take any individual scene and be like, oh, yeah, the SoCal pop-punk scene in the early 90s. I mean, there's a lot of violence going on there, but you can't deny that there's a, you know, like, you could say the same thing about... There was. Travis Barker was getting in fights in White Castle parking lots all the time. I'm sure there was a lot of... But he just wasn't live-streaming it because the technology wasn't there yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess that is, like... I mean, we talked about this a little bit when Molly and I talked about Post Malone about how it first comes as a denial that this thing could be could be popular and then you have to slowly move towards acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm just saying we all got to move into how I learned to stop worrying and love the SoundCloud rap. No, that's exactly it. I mean, it's exactly it. And I think to someone, your Matt Christmas out there who don't get it, you don't have to. Yeah. It's <laughs> not yeah. It's not any more scary or evil than anything else. And if it is, if it does seem that way, it's just because, well, that's the way the world is getting. Yeah. Yeah. Scarier, scarier and evil, more evil world. Also, opinion. the concept of what it is will change soon. Yes. So yeah. if you don't like it, it might show up again in a different form. Ethos of current, you know, SoundCloud rap and everything, then. The other thing uh, for young millennials and Zoomers, which is just completely fraudulent, you know, mental mental illness fetishization mm-hmm. and mawkish false sincerity. <laughs> over that any fucking day of the week, 100%. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I feel like anything, and that's the thing is that you can kind of say anything about SoundCloud rap and nobody will get mad at you, but then you, uh, you know, the more you want to talk about the, the faux mental health awareness stuff the more you might uh veer into trouble yes yeah 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 sure 
even though it's I, more complicated than that. I, I think that stuff is like more damaging. I mean, Molly, you work in quote unquote wellness. Yes. Uh, which is, I think well, we might both say kind of part, uh, part of that scam? product. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Um, everyone knows that all you have to do is just post a lot about how anxious you are and it will make you feel less anxious. Yes. That's, you know, that's definitely what I, what I do. Yeah. Um, just post through it. Post through your anxiety. Post through your anxiety. Post the pain of whim. Yeah. Any, any final points? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, anything. I think we hit on everything. Yeah, yeah. I think we did too. I mean, this has been a long, a long time coming in. And by the nature of this article being written, it kind of makes me feel like, as I alluded to at the beginning, I, I, I don't know how much this will bear out, but I, I guess I'm putting my predictor down that the, the, Death of XXX Tentacion will basically be seen as like the the moving into the end phase of what we consider SoundCloud rap, mm. you know, as a, as a genre that means anything to or as like a descriptor that really means anything. And that a year from now, we'll just have like the new rap. Yeah, yeah. it'll yeah, follow yeah, the yeah. money. Yeah. If I had to predict the next thing, it would be people who stream themselves like making songs live on YouTube. That's already <laughs> yeah. kind of a thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just getting boring down further and further to that like base level of interaction between creator and consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Just creating no a one, social relationship. No one, no one actually knows what it's like to be uh, fully alone all the time. Right. You just get nine hours of someone working and producing and making their own song. That's perfect. Yeah. That's going to be <laughs> the next thing. Mark my words. Yeah. Until it's um until we just go all the way back around until it's like literally a. Uh, like a live stream of um, somebody like making up an epic poem while they like bang two rocks together. Yeah, um, and just like, yeah. all the ba- all the way back to Homer. Yeah, we lose good. all technology except streaming technology. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, uh, Felix. I speaking of streaming, everybody check out Chapo FYM on. Uh, oh yeah, well, we are returning to Dungeons and Dragons this Sunday. Oh, you we are. Couldn't, we couldn't do it for a while because Tom was. Uh, out of country and uh, Branson was in the process of moving, but we'll finally be wrapping up. Is Clargon going to finally have sex? Is <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, Ooga Booga going to get root smash, get cat person written about him. <laughs> We're going to find out the secrets of Henry the bear. We'll find out. Uh, Wait, who's your, what, what kind of character do you have for this Felix? I my character is just uh Jax Taller, but a barbarian. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, but yes, check that out uh, this Sunday. I'm hoping to get this up tomorrow night or something, so that might still be relevant. Mm-hmm. That is twitch.tv slash Chapo Trap House, uh, Sunday evening-ish, I assume. Seven, eight, nine, somewhere yeah. around there. And, and uh, next time there's a pop-up cup, me and Jake are going to do that again. All right. Uh, but there haven't been it. We've missed a few. But yeah, no, see you there. Thank you for having me, Molly and Grace. I believe that Thanks streaming is the future. Anyway, we'll see. We've got a lot. I say this every fucking time, but we have a lot of great stuff uh, coming up on we the do. show. Uh, follow us on Twitter and at an Interpod. You yeah. send us an email at an Ant. Yes. And inter- and fuck, I don't even remember. And Interpod at gmail.com. Follow me at say what again? Follow me at Miss Molly Mary. And we'll see you in another two weeks on And Introducing. Ooh.